This is that old preacher Bill Woods coming to you from Sun Valley, Arizona. And I hope that you're doing well at whatever you're doing today. I want to urge you to, at the end of the program, to listen to a program note that I put there and also a special prayer request. I uh, have something that uh, really on my heart, and I hope that you'll listen to see what it is. Today I want to talk about the old account was settled long ago. I want to use as the basic scripture, Ezekiel 18.4, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. I was summoned to the court. I was very nervous about going there, but I didn't have much choice with a summons like that. I arrived, and we were going in. The big doors opened with an unnerving clang from the locks and things that echoed through the whole auditorium. It was very frightening. I could feel my heart racing and I thought it would beat right out of my chest. My blood felt like it was running cold. I'd been summoned, like I said, to appear in court today. There was a case pending, a case against mankind, and I was the defendant. I can't remember ever being so frightened. I moved farther into the auditorium. Everything was immense. The huge bench where the judge would soon take his place. The witness stand where evidence would be offered either for or against me. To the right was the jury box, soon to fill with those hearing my case. Curious people were starting to filter in, taking seats reserved for the audience. The heavy doors now clanged shut behind me echoing, reverberating sound through the huge room. Everything seems so final. When will I get out of here? What is going to happen to me? I felt so alone, so nervous, so helpless and hopeless. I thought back over my life. I thought I'd, I thought I'd lived a decent life by the world's standards, but now it had to come to an end. My life was about to be reviewed. Were there things that would bring a guilty verdict? I wished I'd taken more care about decisions that I'd made during the crucial times of my life. Actually, all my decisions would seem crucial now. I had no idea that I'd be judged for things I'd said and attitudes I'd entertained and how I used my time and places that I'd gone. Everything had been recorded. Things I considered flippant and unimportant were more important than I'd realized. I remembered lies that I had told and times I had cheated people and indecent thoughts that had occupied my mind. Places I'd gone to and, and shows that I'd watched on TV or other places that Jesus wouldn't have watched with me. How I'd been rude and judgmental to people. Ezekiel 18.4 was brought to mind again. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul whose sins shall die. My fearful thoughts were interrupted when I was told to take a seat at the defense table. I nervously looked around. There, there was the prosecutor, a, a villainous-looking person who brought even more terror to my mind. Was it my imagination, or was he snarling as he stared at me? He was the most evil being I've ever seen. 
I nervously sat down at the edge of my chair, and my defense lawyer was at my left, a kind, gentle man who somehow seemed to be very familiar to me. The judge's chamber door opened, and the presiding judge appeared in full, flowing robes. He was awesome. I'd never seen anyone so majestic as he was. I watched as he moved to his bench. I couldn't take my eyes off of him. Who is this magnificent person anyhow? There was what appeared to be a very bright glow around him and seemed so unearthly. His brightness hurt my eyes. I was reminded of the story of Moses seeing God's Shekinah glory in the Old Testament and then I recognized him. This was Almighty God. God was the judge. I knew he could see right through me. I'd never be able to say anything but the truth. He looked in my direction and his eyes were so piercing. He could look right into my very soul. Nothing would be hidden from him. Psalm 11, 4 through 7 says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteousness, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. He sat down behind a massive desk and he said, let's begin. The prosecutor stood. It was Satan. No wonder he was so hideous. He was the accuser of the brethren. In Revelation 12:10, it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. Oh, I, 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 he said, Satan said, my name is Lucifer, and I'm here to show you why this man, pointing at me, belongs in hell. He proceeded to tell about the lies that I'd told and things I'd stolen and times when I'd cheated others. Satan to told of horrible perversions that were once in my life. And the more he spoke, the further I sank down in my seat, not wanting to be seen by people. Tears of shame and remorse stained my cheeks. Satan remembered everything. I was so embarrassed and ashamed that I couldn't look at anyone, not even my own lawyer. The devil told of sins that I'd completely forgotten about. I was so mad at Satan for telling all these things about me, I was just as upset, though, at my defense attorney who sat silently, not objecting or offering any defense at all. I knew I was guilty of those things, but there was good in my life, too. I mean, couldn't these things, these good deeds at least equal to or, or uh, you know, counteract the harm that I'd done in my life? Shouldn't my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds? Satan wasn't finished with his flurry, saying, This man belongs in hell. He's guilty of all that I've charged, and there's not a person who can prove otherwise. Justice will finally be served this day. Satan climaxed his argument by reminding God of what he said in Ezekiel 18.4, Behold, 
All souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. He especially emphasized the part that said the soul who sins shall die. Satan sat down smugly, feeling that he had won his case. He had presented enough evidence that it could not be irreversible. God couldn't go against his word. Finally, it was my defense lawyer to turn to speak, and he, he asked if he could approach the bench. The judge allowed this over the strong objection of Satan and beckoned him to come forward. As he walked towards the judge, I saw him in his full splendor and majesty, and suddenly I knew why he seemed so, so familiar. This was Jesus representing me, my Lord and my Savior. He stepped up to the bench and spoke softly to the judge, "Hi, Father." He then turned his address and uh, turned and addressed the court. He began, "Satan was right, saying that this man has sinned. I won't deny his allegations. And yes, the wages of sin is death, and because this man sinned, he deserves to be punished." Jesus told or took a deep breath and turned to his father with outstretched nail-scarred hands and said, however, I died on the cross and rose again three days later to satisfy those wages of sin. I paid that awful price with my own blood so that this man might have eternal life when he repented of his sin and accepted me as his personal savior. He did accept me as his savior, so he's mine. And I blotted out all those sins that Satan says about I had never to be remembered them against him anymore. He followed the instructions of my servant John, which said in 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I have removed his sins as far as the east is from the west. I'll never hold them against him so they mean nothing in these court proceedings. Psalms 103 verses 12 through 14 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. Jesus continued, His name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and neither Satan nor his demonic forces can snatch him away from me as long as he follows me and hears my voice. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. That's John 10, 27 through 30. Because he is a free moral agent and still has the power of choice, he could have decided to quit following me, but he didn't. He remained faithful and kept his commitment to me. Satan can't understand. Do you mean, <laughs> he stood up and he said, do you mean that this man isn't to be given justice but mercy? He sinned. Doesn't that demand a second death penalty? 
Shouldn't he go to hell? God answers, he has been justified by the blood of my son Jesus. He has been had remorse for his sin, has confessed them to me, and has repented of his sin. Now Jesus and I have adopted him into our family. He can look forward to eternal life in my heaven. As Jesus sat down, he quietly paused, looked at his father, and replied, Nothing else needs to be done. I've done it all. I rest my case. The judge lifted his mighty gavel and slammed it down and said, This man's free from the penalty of sin. The penalty has already been paid in full. Case is dismissed. As Jesus led me away, Satan was ranting and raving, saying, I won't give up. I'll win the next one. And I asked Jesus, Have you ever lost a case? Christ smiled and said, Well, everyone that's come to me and asked me, to represent them has received the same verdict as you did, paid in full. There's no extra court costs involved. Jesus paid the total price on the cross. Praise God, the old account was settled long ago, and it's real in my life today. Now, there are two old hymns that express what I want to convey to you today. Uh, and one is, the old account is settled long ago. And the other is, it's real. I don't want to torture you, but I do want to express my testimony with the first one about the old account being settled long ago. And so I'm going to spend some time here. There was a time on earth when in the book of heaven an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top and many things below. I went unto the keeper and settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away. When the old account was settled long ago, the old account was large and growing every day, for I was always sinning and never tried to pay. But when I looked ahead and saw such pain and woe, I said that I would settle. I settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away. When the old account was settled long ago, when in the happy home, my Savior's home above, I'll sing redemption story and praise him for his love. I'll never forget the book with pages white as snow because I came and settled and settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago, and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away, when the old account was settled long ago. 
O sinner, trust the Lord, be cleansed of all your sin, for thus he hath provided for you to enter in. And then if you should live a hundred years below, up there you'll not regret it. You settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away. And the old account was settled long ago. Well, if you were brave enough to stay through that, I'd like to ask you, uh, is your old account settled with God? Uh, I don't want to, you know, uh, torture you anymore, but I want you to know that my testimony says that my old account was settled long ago. If yours wasn't, you can care for it right now today. You can accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And that is my prayer, that you will accept him and that you will know your sins are forgiven and your name is written in the book of life and you have a home in heaven for all eternity. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for those who are listening today. And I would ask God that you help each one to realize the importance of accepting you as their personal Savior so that when they stand before you, either at the marriage feast of the Lamb or the final judgment, Lord, they, they will be able to know their sins were paid for and that you have provided salvation. Amen. I want to do a program note. Today I use some creative license to illustrate a point. Christians won't be judged at the final judgment day. We'll be rewarded or reprimanded at the marriage feast of the Lamb. There will be, however, a final judgment day for those who do not belong to Jesus Christ, and sinners will stand before God to give an accounting of their sinful life. The period of grace will be over at that time, so there will not be any repentance at that time. The sentence that will, will not be commuted they will face an eternity in hell, and if you want to avoid that final judgment in hell, you need to care for it in this lifetime by accepting Jesus Christ now. I also said I would have a prayer request. One of our listeners named Robert has been in court for a crime committed years ago that he said he did not commit. He thought charges had been dismissed only to find that they haven't. He has accepted Jesus as his Savior and wants to live a Christian life pleasing God. The sentence passed on him by the judge uh, is life uh, in prison. This is beyond extreme. There will be an appeal, and I would ask you to pray for him that the sentence will be re either dismissed or at least reduced. Also, pray for his safety in prison and his attitude about what has happened. We believe Romans 8.28 to be true, and God says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, we don't see the good right now, but we do know that God is control in control. And we do know, it's kind of like Joseph in the Old Testament, we know God will not forget Robert, and I would urge you please to pray for him and ask God to help him at this time. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Well, I've uh, gone kind of short today, but I wanted you to know that 
there is judgment coming and you and I don't have to face the judgment for sin if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. I would hope again that you will do that. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you again next week.